0: Welcome everyone to Deep Night, a horror anthology produced by CBC in the summer of 2005. It was part of their Monday Playbill series, though it ran on Friday nights and was supposed to run for ten weeks, but ultimately only ran for seven. Enjoy Deep Night.
1: Man Radio contains intense situations and subject matter, derogatory language, and profanity. Your caution and discretion is strongly advised. 103.7
2: FM, J Radio, your life, your city, your station. I don't know how you guys did it, but somehow, someone, somewhere has spliced into the system. I mean, some super hack or something. Very impressive. The Spaz man's impressed. I've got to admit. Okay, okay, okay. I get it. The whole studio is in on it, right? Freddie off sick. Matt off with his new goober. That's good. That's very good. Very clever. Very good. So, so what was it? You, you got some actress to play my wife, and and Nate, right? Is uh, is from some theater group? Oh, the, there's the light. The light's flashing. We've got another caller. Maybe it's our little hacker dickhead. Okay, you're on.
3: Jeff, it's Paul. Paul. Paul, your brother, Paul. Uh,
2: <laughs> some geniuses at work here. My little brother Paul, listen, you're good. You sound just like him. Jeff. So, so what is it? You're from some improv comedy group? I've got to hand it to you, the voice is great. I, uh, you've got Paul down to a T. I mean, I'm
3: not an impersonator.
2: <laughs> Man, that that voice is so impressive. I got
3: cockroaches. To... What? You've got a phobia about cockroaches. That right. Uh,
2: listen, pal, it, it doesn't take much to find out if someone... The deck
3: is... at the back of our house was rotten. The house at 353 Walden.
2: How, how would you know about the...
3: the... mom was always getting on dad's case that it was an accident waiting to happen, that someone would fall through, and one day, a bunch of us... Listen, buddy, you know, this... ...chasing each other, and, and just went down. The floor gave way. You just went down and just this shit under there, covered up for years, I guess, and... There was a nest of cockroaches. Hundreds of cockroaches. You fell into them. It only took Dad a few minutes to pull you out, but that was enough. And that's why you can't stand cockroaches. Now do you believe that I'm your brother?
2: Looks looks like it's the real McCoy with us, folks. Little Brother Polly, the white slice of the family the the brother who stayed behind Paul what what is it Paul's plumbing? the no work started without a free appraisal. Yeah, and...
3: yeah, that's right, Jeff.
2: Paul, Paul, how is it hanging How How's the missus and those lovely offspring of yours? Oh, uh,
3: what do you care?
2: <laughs> Good question, folks. What do I care?
3: Jeff, I'm calling about Dad.
2: You're calling about Dad. It's bad. It's really bad. (sighs) Alzheimer's, folks, the old geezers lost it. (laughs) Are you moved to tears yet, kids?
3: He can't live on his own anymore.
2: And you want me to do what exactly?
3: I didn't want to call. I told Estelle that. Look, I've had a really tough time this year. This this, this business, there's a lot of over. You
2: want me to pay for Daddy's seniors' home?
3: Well, there's this care facility. Sorry,
2: can't do it.
3: Oh, Jesus! Look, I have been carrying the bag for years. I can't do it anymore. You've got the money.
2: So that's what this just call's about. Just do something
3: for him for once, for Christ's sake. <sighs> we're not even asking you to go out of your way and come see him. But just take five minutes to write a check. Just pay for someone else to take care of him. That's all we're asking, just for once. And, and I
2: get back what? A warm, fuzzy feeling of compassion so I can repay everything he did for me? Look,
3: I know there's a lot of things...
2: You know enemy. jack shit! He was never home, and when he was, he he didn't give me the time of day. All he was interested in was finding another dumb asshole to buy a policy. And when he was at home, he he couldn't wait to get back on the road again. He hated Mom, he hated me, and hey, and I've got news for you, John boy. He hated you. He's dying now. So what, I'm just supposed to forget all the crap, forget how he was with me?
3: I'm sorry, Jeff. I I really am, I, I...
2: I just thought you'd want to come home. I thought you'd want to know. Sorry, bro. Can't do it. Back after these messages. Jeff!
4: Oh, Frank, do you have to work again this weekend? Oh, sorry,
2: honey. You know the old man wants us all up to scratch on those new policies before Monday.
4: Well, I hope he appreciates it. But I miss you. We all miss you.
2: I know, honey, but I'll make it up to you. Honest.
4: Mm. Say, Pops, we going fishing tomorrow?
2: Afraid not, son. I gotta bring home the bacon.
5: Aw but Pop, you promised. You heard what I
6: said. Get out of my sight, you little bastard! Dad!
7: Jeffrey!
2: Things of hopelessness. Perhaps it's time to talk to your doctor about LaFargo. LaFargo is not simply an antidepressant; it's a way to take back control of your life. What? Okay, okay. There, there must be something normal out there. Some weather, weather report, traffic, anything. Hello out there.
8: Oh, shit. What was that?
2: What the hell was that?
8: I didn't didn't see anything. I I didn't... uh, 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 What do I do? I I don't know. It just...
4: Jeff? Who's this? Do we have to play a guessing game? Who? Well, I'm not surprised.
2: Wait a minute. Your voice, I... Oh,
4: that's so romantic. You remember. I can't... You can't place the face, right? Look, it's... Or the time. Well, how about the place? WXKS? Laura. Young, hot DJ. Young, cute girl working front desk.
2: I mean, that's 25 years ago. What? What is this? What is
4: this? 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 is your past coming back to haunt you look
2: is this some rant about how I abandoned you and
4: yes yes it's a rant about how you abandoned me Oh, oh we were so in love you you were so in love hey that's okay my my sweet doll my my angel that's okay we'll keep the baby Well, I can take care of us. We'll be okay. We're we're special. We're going to be the perfect little family, sweetheart.
2: For Christ's sake, I was only 23. And how
4: old was I? Uh, With no one there and no one there to help me? And you, you never called. You never got in contact. You're sending my letters back, blocking my calls. You just went on with your life like nothing had happened. But that's okay. It worked out. The way you'd expect me at 17. They took the baby away. They took my baby away. It worked out. For Christ's sake, Laura. It's not easy coming to a crossroads. The choices we face
1: in life can often leave us confused and anxious. Maybe that's the time to come home. Come home to the Church of the Saints of Mercy. You know in your heart, it makes sense.
7: (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Hi. (laughs) Hello.
6: (laughs) (laughs) Hi. Who's this? (laughs) Who's this? Um, boy, jeez, um... Well, you won't remember me. You won't remember me, that's for sure, but, um, I remember you. Yeah, Jeffrey Kellerman. I remember you.
4: Who is
2: this?
6: Ah, you see? You don't know. I knew you wouldn't.
2: (laughs) You guys are good. I
6: think you'll find you can't cut me off there, Jeffrey. (laughs) Really good. (laughs) Sorry. Yeah, that must be excruciating for you, because it's all about control with you, isn't it, Jeffrey? (laughs) But the idea that you don't know what's happening to you, it's just too much, isn't it? You just—you can't take that, can you? It has to be you pulling the strings all the time. Oh, okay, I like the Bella Lugosi act. are manipulating the situation, even in grade six. Grade six? Yeah, with we, your little we... group of fans. Yeah, I, I guess you had to have that even back then. Be the center of everything. Do anything for the big laugh. Make fun of other kids. Uh, hey, listen, take I... Take everything to the extreme, tormenting uh, them. I
2: don't know what you want, but... Uh...
6: You know what I want, Jeffrey? What? What? I want revenge. I'm going to get my own revenge on you. You'll see.
2: Jesus, what is this? What's happening?
6: I I know that voice. Chickens are coming home to roost, Jeff. That's what's happening. Rupert. Rupert Findlayson. Look, we were just little kids. You knew what I was like, how shy I was. But pick, pick, pick. At school, in the dining room, the playground, following me home, you and your little buddies. And then that morning, my dog. What you did to my dog. We were just kids for Christ's sake. Standing across the road from our yard, calling him. Breaking bits off the candy bar, tossing them across to him. Christ. Getting him to run. Just as the truck came. Why did you do that? Why did you do that?
2: Rupert? Rupert, listen. You don't know what it was like for me then. I wasn't the way you think. It wasn't. Rupert. Rupert.
4: Rupert! Hi, Melissa McDougal here with your weather and traffic. Well, my goodness, it certainly is a dark and stormy night, folks, isn't it? Brrrr. <laughs> and trust me, it's only going to get worse. And looking at traffic, well, what can I say? Everything's backed up everywhere.
7: Uh, uh, Nate! Uh, Nate! <laughs>
6: Nate! Nate! There's no lights.
2: There's there's no one there. There's nothing. Oh, Jesus.
7: Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, what, what, what's happening to me?
9: Oh, I'm sorry. i Oh, sweet Jesus, what have I done? Please, help me. It hurts so much. Please.
2: It's okay. It'll be okay. okay.
9: Don't worry. Mommy. Just, just,
0: just, it's It's okay.
9: okay. Take it easy. Oh, Jesus.
7: Oh, fuck the blood.
6: Oh, no, no, no.
7: Please, help. Please, help.
6: Jesus. Oh, fuck. The blood. Oh. Oh. It's,
7: It's
2: okay. It's okay. Help me. please i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry oh, sweet jesus <laughs>
10: That was the last recorded Jeff Spaz-Kellerman hour. Jeff Kellerman, broadcaster, was found dead from a heart attack in his studio October 3rd. He was 47 years old. We, uh... We figured Spaz was extremely disoriented from his heart condition when he came in that night... I say this because along with all our other broadcasters Spaz was notified in advance that one of his old shows would be broadcast that night. There'd be no live shows because of systems upgrading. So there wasn't a technician booked that night. But a couple of days ago Freddie Gale received a disc in the mail. The one we just played. It was signed, Best Wishes. Nate from Nowhere.
1: You've just heard Man Radio by Leslie Mildener. In the cast, you heard Tony Daniels as Spaz, Sitcom Dad, and a multitude of other voices. Peter Costigan was Nate and sitcom's son. Anand Rajaram played Raj. And Jim Jones was Mike. Kelly McIntosh played Karen and sitcom mom. And Jonathan Higgins played Paul. Herbie Barnes played Gary and Matt. Catherine Fitch was Marie and the Church Ad Lady. Danielle Brett was Melissa and the Woman. Emily Waite played the Little Girl, and David Cook was Rupert. For Man Radio, the recording engineer was Greg DeClute, sound effects by Matt Wilcott. The script editor was David Carley, and Cassie was by Linda Grierson. The associate producer was Colleen Woods. Jade Radio's Stings and Bumpers were composed and performed by Tony Daniels and Friends. Man Radio was produced and directed by Gregory J. Sinclair. Next, on Deep Night. On a frozen lake in the cold dead of a winter's night, the ice pops, rumbles, and crackles with monstrous life. Is it only the wind? Or does something lurk beneath, deep beneath? That would like nothing more than to invite us downward into the frozen depths for an eternal visit. Ice Screams, by Drew Hayden Taylor, next in Deep Night.
4: A new mix for summer on CBC Radio 1.
11: For three days I've been sitting in this bar in this back corner Most of the people in the bar have been there the first night I come in after it happened and here I am three days later I don't care I just order another drink it has been three days since what happened, but the thought of that still scares the hell out of me. God knows how many bottles of rye later.
1: I love winter. Don't you? On a moonless night, everything is so calm, so still, so deceptively dead takes is a slight breeze to stir fresh snow into dancing, spinning sprites for the trees to groan and crack. And on a lake in northern Ontario, all it takes is one particular set of footfalls on the icy surface to reveal a mystery thought forever immersed in the stone-cold depths below. It's no wonder nine-year-old Ryan is terrified of the water, refuses to go near it. Of course, in Ryan's case, there are a few more considerations than for the rest of us. But fortunately, we all grow out of our childhood fears of the mysteries contained in darkness. Don't we? Tonight, Drew Hayden Taylor spins us a winter's tale called Ice Screams. Beware of thin ice.
11: I guess you could say that everything that happened three days ago started on that February morning 16 years ago I was 12 at the time so was Erica Ryan's sister she was cute in a 12-year-old kind of way as perceived by a 12-year-old
3: you notice the bus always takes longer the colder it is
9: they probably had to boost it again Why? In a hurry to get to school?
12: No, just cold. Where's Ryan?
9: Right there. Where's he going? Where do you think? Toronto with my parents. All the winter sales are happening and he gets to go with them. He gets to go shopping for two days. Oh, I hate him. Now, Erica, I told Julia you'd be staying with her for the next two nights. You behave while we're away. I still say
7: it's not fair. Enough of that this argument
1: again. We'll see you in two days. Bye, uh, Erica. He
9: thinks he's so good. They like him better. No,
7: yeah, they don't.
9: Yeah, they do. My aunt says it's the way he was born. He was kind of difficult, I guess. He almost died. My mom spent weeks nursing him back to health, and ever since, she's been kind of protective. Hey, Andrew.
7: Got anything to eat? Oh, Hi, Erica.
9: Hi, William. He always gets what he wants. He's the baby, she says. Well, if you baby someone all the time, then they'll be a baby all the time. The Little scum.
10: Yeah, I hate kids like that. Who are we talking about? Ryan.
11: Ryan and his parents disappeared into the falling snow. We never saw them get on the ice road. After that, things got a little strange. Early the next morning, local gossip and tobacco queen Mags Magni was walking by Ryan's house. She saw a light on when there should be no light. And you can't be a gossip queen without having a healthy sense of curiosity.
12: My heart. Ryan, what are you doing here? You just about scared me to death. Why is it so cold in here? Huh? Where's your parents? Ryan, what's wrong with you? Look at me. Is that ice in your hair? Cold. Ryan, listen to me. Where are your parents? my God, your arms, they're freezing. What happened, Ryan? Tell me. Cold. Okay, you stay here, okay? I'm going to go use the phone. I'll be right back.
7: What? Well, the back door is wide open. There is a trail of
10: victims matching the boy's boots coming in from the general direction of the lake. Why is it so cold in here? The furnace is off.
2: How long has that boy been here alone? That looks like ice in his hair.
10: It is, sir. We believe he's been here at least 24 hours.
2: Hmm. Has he said anything?
10: No, sir. Just cold. I think that's his sister arriving now.
2: Well, let her in. Maybe she can talk to him.
4: And let's go see where those footprints lead.
9: Ryan? Oh, Ryan, what happened to you? Where's mom and dad? Where are they? Tell me, Ryan, please, tell me what happened.
7: Cold.
9: What do you mean cold? Where's Mom? Where's Dad? Tell me where they are.
2: My God, it's colder than Christian's heart out here.
10: Right there, sir. The car must have gotten lost in the fallen snow. Went off the ice road and drove in this direction. Too close to the channel where the ice is thinner because of the current. Thinner. But just
6: how thin is this ice?
10: Oh, it's thick enough for us, but not for a two thousand pound car. I think that's where went through the ice. The boys' tracks start just over there. And overnight the ice froze over again. Uh, let's get back. Yeah.
2: You're a lucky
3: little boy to have got through this. Yeah. Especially with Maureen for a mother. I don't know so. I kind of figured there was no way she'd ever
11: let him go. Ryan. He was in bad shape. He wouldn't eat. wouldn't do nothing. They even brought in one of them, psychiatrist. But it was like talking to a disconnected telephone. Now my mother, who had a theory about practically everything, thought she knew how to reconnect that broken telephone.
0: Only dogs can talk to dogs, and only kids can talk to kids. What
11: the heck does that mean?
0: It means you and William are going to visit Ryan at the hospital today.
13: We're going to the movies this afternoon.
0: After you go to the hospital.
13: I don't want to go to the hospital. I'm pretty sure William doesn't.
0: The hospital is between here and the movies. No hospital, no movie.
13: I hate your mother. I don't want to come here. I want to go to the movies. And I would never have come.
3: Mom says we gotta she's driving.
13: I don't even like him.
7: At least you like him.
1: Shut up. 413, there's his room, I guess we just go in, huh? There
7: he is,
12: he looks weird. How's he supposed to look? Wow, he looks so skinny. And cold.
13: Ryan, right, how you doing? Ryan. It's Andrew and William. Yeah, hi. Well, we tried. Let's go. The movie starts in half an hour.
8: Come on. Look at his face. I don't know what he's thinking about. What do you think,
12: William?
3: I don't know. The Flintstones? Come on. Let's go.
13: He looks cold. Not anymore.
11: It was Ryan. If it were possible for two 12-year-olds to have heart attacks, that was the time.
13: In a hospital? Yeah. My parents are dead, aren't they? I'm hungry. Um, I got some gum. That's all I got. Thanks. So, what's new?
3: okay. How come you haven't talked in a week?
13: I don't know. I just kept on seeing Mom and Dad in the car. Going through the ice. And pretty soon. I don't want to see that anymore. So I went to sleep.
4: But, But you were awake.
13: Didn't feel like it. Then I heard your voices, like in school. And I remember I have a test in math. Mom always liked me doing good in math. That was three days ago. I guess I failed, huh?
11: That's when his whole body started to shake. The sobs rolled out of him, gradually getting louder and louder till they filled the room. It looked almost painful. We'd seen crying before, but this wasn't ordinary. We bolted for the door, grabbed the first nurse we saw and pointed her in Ryan's direction, then got the hell out of there. Needless to say, we didn't enjoy the movie much. We've seen enough scary things for the day. The next day at school, Erica made a beeline for me on my way in.
9: Andrew! Andrew! I heard you visited my brother yesterday.
3: Yeah, we made minute, drop by.
9: Thanks. He's talking now. You're crying. Yeah, but the doctors say that's good. What did you say to him?
13: Nothing, really. Just said hello and talked about how cold he looked. That's all.
9: Well, whatever you did, thank you. Now don't go telling everybody I kissed your on the cheek. That's just for you.
3: Um, um, uh, yeah.
9: Could you do me another favor?
3: Um, oh, uh, yeah, yeah, what?
9: Come with me out on the lake. I want to put some flowers on the spot where they were. I was so mad at them when they left. I'll feel better if I say goodbye. Please come with me.
11: There was no way I was going out on that ice ever in my lifetime, let alone within six days of what happened. Not for any reason or any girl.
9: Sure, when? Tomorrow, after school.
11: She kissed me again and was off.
9: Ryan's doing good, doctors say he can come home in a few days, I saw him last night, he misses me, and the family, but he won't talk about mom and pop, the doctors say not to force him, Mm.
10: how much further,
11: the glare from the packed snow made me squint, the constant wind had packed the snow quite well, it was almost like walking on solid sand, Erica led the way, a good two feet in front of me. I couldn't help but think that if my family knew I was out here, I might as well go through the ice. Suddenly, Erica stopped. We had been walking about 20 minutes and came to a place where it was obvious a lot of people had been standing around. Cigarette butts littered the area as well as the odd pee stain. The police had been here. And there, in the center of everything, was a refrozen, frozen jagged blot in the lake. Somewhere beneath us, a hundred feet or more, was a ford with two overweight Indians in it. And they would probably be there forever.
10: I guess this is it. Do you think the ice is safe?
11: Her foot gingerly tested the new ice... But by then it had frozen solid enough to support the weight of a 12-year-old girl. She walked to the center of the ice car and kneeled. She put the roses down gently.
9: Goodbye, Mom. Pop. I'll remember you.
11: I think she was crying. But I couldn't see because of her coat hood. in the coldness of the lake, I was.
9: Thanks, Andrew. This meant a lot to me.
11: Even out on that frigid lake, I felt a little warmer.
9: I know you didn't want to come, but you did. I knew nobody else would come with me. Or they'd try and talk me out of it. Thank you so much.
13: Wow, another kiss.
9: Are you crying? I know. I know. (laughs) I... I don't know why, but...
11: (laughs) That's when I hugged her. I don't know why, but it just felt like she wanted to hold on to something. Out on that barren lake, I guess I was the only thing. After that, we quietly went home. Ryan came home a few days later, looking more somber than ever. They had managed to put some weight on him, but he still looked small. That was sixteen years ago. The mundane existence of everyday reserve life began to reassert itself. There was even a big party for him on his eleventh birthday. Their Aunt Julia has a cabin over on one of the islands, and they were going to spend the weekend out there. But once Ryan got in the boat, it became quite obvious that he had changed his mind. Six feet from shore, he spoke up.
13: I I changed my mind. I don't want to go. you will be across no. the in twenty. Minutes. No, I don't want
0: to stay here, Ryan. It's
13: all right
7: now. No. Just sit down. I don't want to go, me.
13: Ryan.
0: No,
7: don't, Ryan!
11: Luckily, the water was only about four feet deep. I'd never seen Ryan swim, canoe, fish, or do anything water-related until three days ago.
9: He'll get over it. Don't worry, it'll just take some time.
11: We hung out together until we were about 17. And then the time came for me to go off to college. I finally came home for good four years ago. I now work for the band office. Winter came around again, and I was back staying at my mother's when Eric called. Hey. Oh, A- Andrew? Erica? Anine. Well, hi, Andrew. Um, I hate calling you like this out of the blue, but I need your help. You sound serious. What's up? Well, it's anniversary time. Yeah, I thought it was around this time of year. <laughs> I hear you still go out on the ice with them flowers of yours. Not this
4: year.
0: I- I'm pregnant, Andrew, and... uh well, the doctor says I could deliver any time, so he and Richard won't allow me to go out on the ice this
11: year. I felt a chill I hadn't felt in a very long time. It was a cold feeling. W- why me? You've got more cousins and relatives than you know what to do with. I, mean, I don't want to sound rude or anything, but w- why me? Oh, because he trusts you. You are the one who brought Ryan out of
0: whatever it was he was in, remember? I- back in the hospital, and-, and and you went out with me that first time. Oh, Please, Andrew, it has to be you. Promise me you'll
4: do this.
11: I was silent for a moment. Those feelings from so long ago came rushing back to the pit of my stomach. Yeah. Okay. I'll go. Oh, yes. Thank you so much, Andrew. You are one super guy. I so appreciate this. I was committed, with little chance of any kisses this time. I had promised I would go, but I wouldn't go with Ryan alone. I immediately phoned up my buddy, my pal, William.
2: Are you insane? I don't even like the guy. It's your promise. You deal with it.
11: You know, William, three months ago, that hockey tournament in North Bay, me, you, and those two women from Perry Island.
7: What about
2: them?
11: Do you think maybe Angela would be interested in hearing about that? You bastard. You wouldn't. I'll tell Marie. Yeah, well, I wasn't going out with Marie at the time. Well, better put on your wool socks. It gets cold out there. I'll pick you up tomorrow. We arrived at Ryan's house, and it had changed little since what happened happened. Ryan was already sitting on the porch, a bouquet of half-frozen flowers on his lap. He looked like he didn't want to do this any more than we did, but in his heart he knew he had to. It was necessary, like going to the dentist. Hey, Ryan, ready to go? Up in. I got a better idea. Let's cut to the
8: woods behind the house. be quicker than driving around the lake. Come on.
2: Jesus, is isn't that the same path he took way back when he crawled out
11: of that car? This is getting eerie. You owe me big, Andrew. Look, I'm turning the light. It's
2: over here. Follow me.
11: you owe me big. After grabbing the flowers, Ryan started walking towards the woods beside the house. We're pushing. You're falling behind. Speed up. Do you want to walk in front, huh? Behind behind your buddy? He's going to part the ice like an Indian Moses. Just walk faster. This was the first time he'd come this close to the lake, winter or summer, in all these years. He stopped walking just, uh, just short of the ice. He looked out across the frozen expanse.
8: It's been so long. I wasn't sure if I'd remember where it was. (sighs) Erica sort of gave me directions. The loft to the right of the willow, she said. It's that way, I guess. Oh, Angela,
2: where are you? Your arms are so warm and it's so cold out here.
11: February on our reserve can make you very romantic.
2: For God's sakes, Ryan, slow down. My sweat is freezing. It's the hurry.
8: Sorry. Just lost in thought. It's all coming back to me. It's all so familiar. Except it's not snowing this time. Give it time.
11: The shoreline was slowly drifting off behind us. And we were squinting now from the glare of the snow.
2: Do you have any idea where we're going?
11: You
8: two didn't have to come with me, you know. I could have handled this myself.
11: Your sister asked me to come as a favor. You know, I can never say no to Erica.
8: I almost wish she hadn't come, Andrew. You make it more real. I remember the CUV with the hospital and the crying. like I'm 10 years old again. You know, I I always told people I couldn't really remember what happened that day when they died. Actually, I could remember. But I never wanted to talk about it. At the time, I thought it was nobody's business. Not even Erica. She wasn't there. She didn't see anything. Now I think maybe I should have.
11: We were approaching the channel. A couple of hundred feet to the left was the other shore. The ice would still be quite safe, but it was like looking over the edge of a tall building. You knew you were safe, but...
8: Sitting in the back of the car. The window was open. Snow everywhere.
1: Honey, close that window. You'll catch yourself a death of a cold.
0: Mom,
4: can I get it down, please? I'm afraid of getting car sick. If you start feeling sick, then you can open it. Until then, you should. The
8: Card and I was thrown at the floor. I felt wet. Very cold. I climbed in the back seat, and I saw the water pouring in my open window. I don't know if it was instinct or, or, or what, but I jumped through that window so fast. I was small then. So the broken ice could hold me up. I crawled across the broken ice to the solid stuff. Oh, it was so cold, so damn cold. But it soon went away. I actually felt numb, and a weird sort of warmth after a while. All the time, I could hear Mom and Dad behind me. They were trying to open their doors, but because of the water pressure, doors wouldn't open. You don't have to tell us this. Really, you don't. I remember sitting on the ice, crying. The water was up to the windows. There were bubbles everywhere looked like it was boiling. Mom rolled down her window and tried to crawl through. She was kinda of big. She couldn't fit through. I've never seen her try so hard at anything. And then she reached for me like she wanted me to pull her out. and me me in with her. I don't know. It was then that the car went under the water. There were some bubbles. Then her purse floated to the surface. Right about here, I think. I just sat there for the longest time. I was nine years old. I didn't really know what was going on. I was scared. I was cold. After that, it gets kind of blurry.
11: I guess that's why you've never been out on the lake since? <sighs> I guess.
8: Still out here, you know. Somewhere below us. They never found the bodies.
7: Can we
6: get on with this, please? I think I'm coming down with the cold.
8: (coughs) Yeah, sorry. Let's get this over with.
11: Ryan walked ahead a bit, then kneeled down and placed the flowers quietly on the ice. I remember him stroking the flowers, like he was afraid to leave them.
8: You know, since the accident, I've always been afraid of being out here.
10: But Jesus, I'm 26 years old. You've gotta stop being
6: afraid
8: at some point, right?
7: Yep. Uh-huh.
8: In all this time, I've never been able to say goodbye to them properly. Goodbye, Dad.
2: Goodbye, Mom. You know, I feel better.
11: It was at that moment that he went through the ice. It all happened so quickly. There was a sharp, cracking noise. Ryan looked down and then, like bread in a toaster. He slid straight down into the Ryan! water. The the ice buckling around the edge oh, of the hole. Get it, man. He's gone. Ryan. He's under the ice somewhere. He's I instinctively raced Ryan. for the hole where he'd been standing, He's but gone. William tackled me, wrestling me to the ground. I tried to crawl to the hole, but he wouldn't let me.
7: Give me your belt. Come on. Give me your, get your down belt, down out of here. Just give let's it to tell me.
6: Tell the police, man. I don't trust it here. Just give me your belt. Let's go. Ryan, come on.
11: Hold on. Give it to him. me. Let's just go. Get the belt. let go of me? Let's go. Let go of me. Come on. Jesus! Let's go.
7: We
2: just can't live. We gotta go get help.
11: William grabbed live. my arm and Jesus. turned me towards home. Oh, my God. We slowly headed back to the shore. William took one last look over his shoulder at where we'd just been. On the way back to shore, it started to snow. That was three long days ago. The police went out with divers but never found anything. I never thought they would. The community went into mourning, and the funeral was today. (laughs) Even drunk, I found it mildly amusing, them burying a body they never found. From what I've heard, William hasn't come out of his house in the last few days. Won't take any calls either. And so here I sit, waiting for the waitress so I can order another drink. I keep seeing Brian disappearing into the ice over and over again. I don't think this phase will last long because I'm really a terrible alcoholic. That it will hopefully last till I have new thoughts to think and new memories. Anyways, this last call. I managed to flag down the waitress as she passes. She nods at me, knowing exactly what I want.
12: Yeah, yeah, I know. Double Ryan Coke, no ice.
1: Screams was written by Drew Hayden Taylor, Peter Kelly Godreau was Andrew, Emile Starlight was William, and James Dallas Smith was Ryan. Clifford Cardinal was young Andrew, Michael Descenzo young William, Dennis Fuller was young Ryan, and Anique Abansouan was young Erica. Lawrence Bain and Herbie Barnes were officers Kim and Tom, Gail Maurice was Mags, Jenny Lozon was Ryan's mom, and Michelle St. John was older Erica. The recording engineer was Greg DeCloot, with sound effects by Wayne Richards and Matt Wilcott. Casting was by Linda Grierson. The associate producer was Colleen Woods. Original music was by Michael White. Ice Screams was produced and directed by Gregory J. Sinclair.
4: You mix for summer on CBC Radio One. Deep Night.
1: There is a boundary that marks the scene from the invisible a veil separating the well-lit world of the familiar from another place, less easily known. We might try to escape, but try as we may, we are pulled back, only to find ourselves more heavily shackled in the shadows. Eero may look like your typical teenage boy, but everyone in town knows he has a secret. So does the town he lives in. For what Eero knows, He faces oblivion in the darkness of deep night. Tonight, Bonehouse by Kendra Fanconi.
5: When I say something, there it is sentence ends and the next one starts. They don't go around in a circle. One goes after another. I lay these sentences end to end, like laying a road. When I talk, I am not talking about anything, but towards something. There is no good road out of the town where I grew up. The closest town to us is long distance over bad roads along the number one highway. If you ask someone there about us, they'll say they see one of our townsmen when he comes for supplies, but mostly we keep to ourselves. They'll say only good folks live here. There is no story to the contrary they can pass along. So you won't have heard of us before now. Maybe you have driven through the prairies on the number one. By now, you are a long way off. Hopefully, this story is long enough to reach you. If it does, you can pass it on. If everybody tells everybody else, I'll be better off. This story is the secret of this town. The first time I run away, I run right back. I get caught halfway on a barbed wire fence, and two old farmers find me. They lead me home. They stay outside while I eat in the kitchen. I hear them in the yard until I fall asleep. I open my eyes. It's morning. I am in my bed, and the old farmers are gone. The sun is up. Everyone is in the barn. I should hightail it down there. Instead, I go to M's. Now, M is really M-Zena. We still use the old names, though most of them are falling apart by now. Em's is one of them. She runs the diner, and I'm in love with her. She is someone in between a grandma and a girlfriend, which means if I were littler, I would crawl up on her lap and put my nose on her neck. And if I were bigger, I'd pull her onto my lap and put my chin on her head. As it is, I eat pancakes and M talks. That way both our mouths are busy. The pancakes are good with the coffee? It tastes like slue. Uh, hey!
1: Ah!
0: Watch your mouth. Why? Doesn't it, Em?
5: Good morning, Em.
0: Uh, Must be midnight. If it were morning, then you'd be at your chores.
5: No one woke me for chores.
0: Mm, I'll bring you pancakes. Last night, I tried to run away. Well, Eero, <laughs> oh, it shouldn't be such a thing now. I can tell you, the founders of this town were all runaways. They were. Hmm. My grandfather who left the old country first, landed in Newfoundland, put on his shoes, and walked a thousand miles.
5: What stopped him?
0: Well, his feet got sore. <laughs> so he sat a while here, with his feet in the creek. He had to soak his shoes to get them off.
5: I like to imagine a walk like that.
0: The soil here looks so good you could sprinkle it on ice cream. He wrote that in a letter to his brother, and the men started coming. They were ornery cusses, but they hammered themselves together till they stuck. We are the timber and the pegs of this town, so if you pull one of us out, the whole thing crashes down. You're going to say, well, folks die, and yes, they do. We lose some, and that's a blow. Hits us the same way a spring storm shakes a barn, but the barn itself doesn't get up and wander away. <laughs> this town is here because I pour coffee and you eat pancakes. That's the secret of this town. You and me are holding it together. Eero, you, know, you got a job to do?
5: I took a bite so big my cheeks hurt. It meant I understood. M slid three more pancakes on my plate. I had to finish them quick. I had chores. I had school. I had to help in the fields. I had to grow up, grow crops, improve the well, harvest and butcher. I had a new barn to raise. I had my parents to bury and children to sire. I had to raise them right and marry them off. I had to lose my hair and get a hat and become an old farmer. I'm off now, Em.
4: Mm-hmm. We'll be seeing ya.
5: I heard you ran away last night, hero. Oh, yes, sir. How come? I just had an itch. Now, if you had a mosquito bite and it itched, would you scratch it? Uh, no, I wouldn't doesn't help to scratch an itch, you should slap it. Ah! There you go, boy. That should cure you. We have a preacher in town, but we listen to the old farmers. They have seen everything. The Bible, as far as we can tell, happened over in a desert with sand dunes and olive trees. That's far off from us. If there is a question in town, we take it to the old farmers. They take their answers from the land. Everything is flat here. No person is different from any other person. We eat the same and sleep and wake the same. We plant together and harvest together. And the old farmers tell us what to do next. Now I'll tell you about the second time I ran away. It's plowing time. We boys are sent ahead into the furrows to pick out stones. We pitch them over the fence and into the prairie grass. The men are behind with the horses. The tractor is rusting by the barn. So, I am working at it. All the boys are. There's a little one. There's a two. There's three. There's one, two, three,
12: four. Hey, look at him. What are you
5: doing, hero? Same as you. Pitching rocks. Nuh-uh. We are hauling out the biggins. You're just messing with pebbles. Sure I am. If you let a small rock in the ground, it's going to grow like a potato. And then the next year, it would be a rock as big as your head. Pebbles are little rock seeds. Is that for real? I figured it out. Makes sense, don't it? Don't be a cuss. Ah, (laughs) Hey, that hurt. You're lucky it wasn't a rock. You dumb
7: cuss. (laughs) Hey! Hey, Ira, where you going? I
5: dive through the fence and run. The boys aren't far behind me. The men aren't far behind them. The ladies are worrying the railing off the porch. I don't get any further than the buck
7: brush.
12: Where are you going?
5: Old Pavel has my arm. The others walk ahead.
12: Well, you wonder if there's something out there for you. Why shouldn't we let you go find out? Let's think about that. Say you leave. You're gone. Only one. All the other boys are left wondering what you're doing out there while they do your chores. <laughs> yeah, they'll picture you in Saskatoon taken up with movie stars. Yeah, another will follow you. And the ones who are left now, well, they do double the work. Huh? So uh, they go too. And when the boys are gone, they'll get to the men. We'll lose our men. And what happens to this town with no boys and no men? But I... Yeah, well, the crops don't go in the ground, and you... They don't come out, and the fences will fall, and the cows will wander. And when snow comes, the roof caves, and we are left bare to the sky, as old men. And the good women and the little babes in their arms. That's how this town will die. Now, is it fair for one boy to wander... And kill the whole town. You think about that.
5: We went back to the fields. That year, you could shoot a rifle down the furrows; they were so straight. That year, instead of golden, the wheat turns brown. The others head home for dinner. I sneak off towards the sick horse stable. Though my sister, Una, calls me. Eero! You can almost hear her from there, can't ya? Eero! I don't pay her any mind. I keep walking. Una talks in circles. Her sentences go round and round. Eero! Time to get up! Your chores are waiting! And take that swill pail. Eero! She is surly on account of the drought, and the grasshoppers. These things don't fuss my father. There is a Finnish word for the thing he has, sisu. Sisu is what keeps you sitting in the sauna. Downright cussedness, he has it. Sitting in the sauna, sausages are curing in the smoke by his head and he doesn't budge. When I get to the stable door, my father is waiting. Hero? Yes, sir? When you see a sky
2: like that, what does it mean?
5: I look up. One of the clouds is a horse. Anyone could see that. It is flying in the wind. A horse? Now, around here they tell us to learn from the animals. When you see a bush rabbit dozing, it is too hot to be in the fields. If your dog takes a bite out of your neighbor's dog, your two families better eat together that night. Better to eat together than to eat each other. An animal will teach you that. A horse has got secret wings. look at that horse in the sky and tell him what it means. Maybe I got wings too, I don't know about. But if I knew how to work I'd fly too. (laughs) He puts his hand on my shoulder so hard my heels sink in the ground.
10: A cloud like that means rain. (sighs) Suddenly I'm in the dirt. (sighs) Cover up the hay.
5: Still in the dirt when he walks off. I roll on my back. A cloud that is a horse turns into a hand and points to me. I am 13, and my brain is growing curly instead of straight. I put my hand down on something in the grass. I sit up. I stand up, and I'm running full tilt towards Em's. The diner is almost full up. Shucks. I order myself some pie. In the afternoon... Em serves herself a piece of pie to keep you company. She keeps it at your table and eats a forkful when she's by. A problem needs pie like a crop needs rain.
0: Blackberry hero. Thanks, Em. Something wrong? Not exactly. What's in your hand? A fork. Other one? Oh, nothing. Can I see it? <sighs> a rock.
5: Look on the other side, Am. That rock's got a seashell pressed right in it. Oh. See? My, my, must be a fossil. That is a rock from a hayfield caught thinking about the ocean. I'm not the only one who wants to get out of here. Shh, shh,
0: shh, shh. Shoot, I... I didn't mean... Iroh, I am going to tell you something now, and you are going to listen, so shut your yap and open your ears. Okay. I'm going to tell you about a rabbit. Now... A rabbit is a living thing because it's either real good at hiding or real good at running. You better be good at one or the other, Eero. Hiding or running.
5: That is my last bite of pie. I go to hide that rock in the sick horse stable have a collection hidden in the straw. See, we got stone fruit around here. Nothing unusual there. Anyone I know can eyeball a low branch of cherries and predict the size of the pie. The first cherry I ate this year had a triple pit in it, stuck together like a snowman. I got another pebble, winks at you like an eyeball and when m had a gallstone removed well the doctor didn't want it then there's a chunk of shale in the shape of the state of texas my brother had it in his hand and was going to chuck it did you know that if you took the state of texas and flipped it up the tip of it would nearly touch our town i caught that rock midair and my hand stung till supper I lay them all out. It isn't enough to look at them. I want to sit on them like a hen. I don't tell anyone about my collection. Of course, everyone finds out.
12: How oh, what's that you got?
5: I show him. Old Seppo puts each rock in his palm mm. and closes his fingers. Mm. This man has been a dairyman all his life, so he can't hardly know a thing without milking it a little.
12: What do you think? You think they're all special. But what matters, boy, is that they're all stones.
5: Old Seppo pours them into my hands. Come with me. We walk out to the edge of the field.
12: The stones don't belong in a horse stable. All uh, right, throw them in the cooler. I get home where
5: you belong. Instead, I wait in the grass till sundown. The third time I run because the horizon is the only thing left alive. Maybe they were watching me from their windows. I reach the buffalo rubbing stone a decent place to catch my breath. I'm crouching, watching. The old farmers are coming for me. They give me a whooping. If you hold your hind tight, you don't much feel it. Old Pavo helps me walk back to his hen house. We watch his chicks scrabbling in the dirt.
12: You see them chickens? Yes, sir. A chicken you can cook up before it's born or after it's dead. Useful creature. Some things can be real useful dead. But uh, everything is useful.
5: Dead folk here are treated nice. The town is careful about making sure that dead is dead. At a funeral, they always tie a thread around one finger of a dead man. If it swells up, he's alive after all, and you put him back in bed instead of in the ground. If they do put a body in the ground, it is a big deal and a good time. (laughs) The graveyard is in the center of town, and it's so crowded that in order for a body to go in the ground, one's got to come out. We take the one who has been under the longest, so there's a good chance the meat's off the bone. The skull we take off and put up in the rafters of the church. If you look up to heaven, that's what you see. Then the bones go in the bone house. Following the drought, we had a summer so wet the seed molded instead of sprouting. Then that winter, the snow was so deep you could step over the power lines. So we lost some cows. The next year was pretty much the same, except worse even because the silos were empty. Now it's harvest and already there is food rationing and arguments about it. By now I am almost 16. My thoughts are sunk inside me. I am only hands and feet. I might have stayed that way. If it weren't for the Rat King. I am done with my chores. With fewer cows, it doesn't take long. I'm walking back by the tack room. I want you to see it now, like I saw it then. These rats had been running about, scrabbling for food, and they got themselves in a tangle. Imagine a pack of rats with their tails in a knot in the center. And they were trying to run, but tied together they couldn't get anywhere, and it didn't take long till they collapsed from the effort. It happens. It does happen, often enough that someone can remember that they heard it happened once, before they were born. Someone remembered that it's called a Rat King. Yes, every rat was dead. The rats had become their own trap. I wanted to tell someone. The kitchen ladies are waiting for the carrots to cool so they can finish cooking for Chicken Tuesday. They are sitting on the back stoop of the hall, thumbing their calluses. I hold up the Rat King, and their eyes darken. When I leave with it, they follow me into town. On the way, I hear that sound. I was thinking Una might faint from seeing the Rat King. she wipes her hands. I am walking to the center of town with my family behind me and the kitchen ladies behind them and in front of me, I have the Rat King. With everyone watching, I lay the Rat King down. There wasn't anywhere else to put it. It belongs at the center of everything, the way a belly button does. The boys and the girls and the ladies and the men and the old farmers draw in around the tangle of rats. No one speaks. You can tell the temperature by how many times a cricket chirps in a minute. It is getting hotter. You see those rats? You want us to die like that? pick up the rat cage and I put it on my head. It was time. It was the sign. They had to let me go. I am sure you cannot guess what happened then. Old Pavo gives the Rat King to his barn cats and it is gone by morning. I go to M's. i like some pie. Out of pie? You can't be.
0: You best be going now.
5: I'll have a coffee.
0: Out of coffee?
5: We'll make some.
0: hero there is nothing I can do.
5: That is the fourth time I run away. The fourth time I would run low and hide myself in the grass. Like a rabbit. Hiding. Or running. Or both... The fourth time they take away my shoes. They beat the bottoms of my feet. If I couldn't walk, how could I run? The fifth time I run barefoot alongside the cows going to night pasture. Through the frozen thistles I run. They find me at dawn, standing in a fresh cow pie to keep my toes from freezing. That was the fifth time. Now, five is a number you can handle. Five you can count on your head. Six is something else. The sixth time they put me here, in the bone house. The bone house is a small stone house with a heavy door. It takes three men to push that door open. Inside, all the bones are piled up together. All the bones except the skulls, you see, which are up in the rafters of the church, like I said before. They said they would be back by noon. Well, for that long, I could sit sideways on a picket fence. With it so dark in here, it could have been an hour that's passed, or three days. It could have been 40 years. It's been a long time since they went away. I went through being scared and then bored and then plain mad. Then curious about being with all the dead folk. I I couldn't help feeling friendly with them. Stuck in here. Just like me. but not like me. I never heard of this town having one like me. I really thought about that. Nature makes a handful of funny stones. How come I am the only strange one in this town? Then too I got bored with thinking and wished they would come. I yelled the worst word I knew felt good. Then after that, I felt terrible. Which pretty much brings me to now. Because a minute ago, I put my hand on something. Not a bone like all the other bones here. A skull what do you make of that weren't you listening I told you skulls go up in the rafters of the church now isn't that curious that one would be in the bone house if there had been a skull was missing from the rafters of the church why there would be a story about it that is something to talk about and there is no story What do you make of that? Do you think this skull was accidentally, like, tossed in? Do you think people in this town do things accidentally? Or do you think... They never came, did they? I am the secret of this town. I gotta keep talking. When I say something, there it is. The sentence ends and the next one starts. They don't go around in a circle. One goes after another. I lay these sentences end to end, like laying a road. So when I talk, I am not talking about anything but towards something. I will talk my way out of here. I will talk through the cracks. I will talk over the fields in between the barbed wire. I will weave through the prairie grass and talk into the sunrise. I will talk until I get somewhere.
1: Kendra Fanconi, David Baisley played Eero, Nicola Cavendish was Emcina, Frank C. Turner was Perti, Alex Diakon played Pavo, and Eric Schneider was Seppo. Mara Coward was Una, and Tom Macbeth played the father, with Christopher Murray and Ryan Beale as the boys. The script editor was Beverly Cooper. Bonehouse was produced in Vancouver by Heather Brown. the next voices heard in deep night. Which is worse, an uninvited guest who outstays their welcome or someone, something we invite across the threshold and then refuses to leave? And even worse, what if Mom finds out the guest from beyond the veil has moved into the bedroom closet?
13: Go away, Brittany. I'm busy plotting my revenge. I only have an hour. It's time to reveal the means by which I will get Kalsakian. The Necronomicon! Literally, a book of dead names. A nasty little grimoire whose sole purpose is the summoning of supernatural forces. I'm amazed that such an unspeakable tome of evil is available on Amazon.com. 1998, shipping not included. One can only conclude that the World Wide Web is a force for evil. Back when my father was alive, he used to read me H.P. Lovecraft at bedtime. He was a bit of a sicko, but I remember those stories well. At night, under the covers, shivering in fear at the names of Cthulhu, Yogg-Sothoth, and the many-tentacled Mogloth Caglonitron. Their nightmare pseudopods rose up from the inky pool of my subconscious, oozing suckers pulling me down, down, down into the murky obsidian depths of crazy evil badness until finally they became real to me. They are real. And with the help of the Necronomicon, they are now mine to command. I wanted my supernatural revenge on Mr. Kalsaki for humiliating me. So it was time to summon up a demon lord to eat his soul.
1: The thing from beyond my closet takes up residence in the deep night next week. Thank you.
4: New mix for summer.
7: On CBC Radio 1.